it's one thing with the Tumblr situation because these are like this visual things that you you can see like actual experiences, but these are. Warning: The program you're about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material. Ryan, pull down your pants. <laughs> <laughs> JB, you start sucking. The host, a comedian of questionable talent, speaks incessantly on topics of a sexual and scatological nature. I will fuck you, but I will not eat you. I want that fucking dick down my throat while I'm dicking him down. I okay. hope my mother's listening. Your ass became a rosebud? Yeah, that's because I got dicked down real good. <laughs> he asks questions of his celebrity guests that are highly inappropriate and rude. Which of you has a bigger penis? Oh, that's a good one. That's a fun, good one. Going down on the clitoris? Oh, yes. Oh, I Absolutely. like where you're going with yep. this. For some reason, the word strap-on just comes right out of my mouth, Bianca. Yeah, you said come and strap-on at the same time. And he cannot stop talking about his buttocks. I think your butt is telling you, no mas, por favor. <laughs> this is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. <laughs> and now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Bottom. Yes, we're back. We're finally back, ladies and gentlemen. It's June 1st, and we are live again after a long hiatus. Welcome to the Adam Sank Show. Uh, call us if you're listening at dnrstudios.com on June 1st, 2019 at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. You can call in and talk at 844-825-5367. I don't think we've gotten a single call since we moved to the dnrstudios.com platform, which is a little disconcerting, but... Um, once again, you can call in if you're listening live. Leave me your ratings and reviews on iTunes or wherever else you listen to this bullshit. Email me, me at adam at adamsank.com. Like the Facebook page. And for God's sake, please download my second and final comedy album entitled Adam Sank's Last Comedy Album. Available on Amazon, Amazon, iTunes, and Google Play. And leave me a review. We have a, a plethora of guests today. First, we're going to be talking to blogger Kenneth Walsh of Kenneth and the 212. He is the one who broke the Aaron Shock nude photo scandal um, and uh, and had to pay the price for it on Twitter. We're going to be talking to him about that as well as uh, sort of the, the ethics, the morality of sharing private nude photos, even of a closeted uh, gay homophobe. And then we're going to be talking to David Charles Rodriguez. He's the director of a fascinating and fabulous new documentary called Gay Chorus Deep South, which looks at what happens when the uh, San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus does a five-state tour through the Bible Belt, through the Deep South, and encounters uh, people that don't necessarily want them there. Uh, that's going to be a fascinating interview. But first, ladies and gentlemen, I have huge news. Cue the trumpets. Yes, the wait is over. Ryan Frostig has returned to the ass as permanent co-host. Yes, queen! Hi, I'm back. It's me. Ass open to the wind. <laughs> because it's June. June, 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 June. Just because it's June. June, June. Yes, Ryan Frostig, how we've missed you. I have missed you so much. It feels so good to be back on the ass. I've been in... Many asses since, but... Um, and I want to say to all of the one. people who have filled in as guest co-host while Ryan has had to work on Saturdays... Great job, you guys. I thank you, I love you, but there's no substitute for the pig. Thank you, and um, I just hope that uh, I can be as um, smart and as fun as some of the other co-hosts. Thank you. Well, it's wonderful to have you, and we're on a weird-ass schedule today. Yes. We uh, we normally do the live show first, then mm -hmm. we record a sh second show, but we came in an hour early today. We recorded the, the, the show for two weeks from now. We and have been through it's it. Just, it's confusing. But the, the reason why I have to do this is because I am going to a very special place after today's show. Where are you going? Our dear friend, Glenn Scarpelli. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod, former child star. Yes. Beautiful gay man. Yes. He is being honored uh, by the United Federation of Teachers. They're giving him uh, their pride award. And so they're having a special brunch. And Glenn is usually not never in New York. He lives in Sedona. But he is here with his husband at this brunch. And, they, and Glenn has invited me to be his special guest. That is so nice of him. Yeah. So I am in a what suit. What Queen. Yes, you are. Sweating well, my balls off. Right well, right now, now I'm in a, in a wife beater yes. with suit pants. It's a look. It is. 
But um, but so that's why we came in early, and I'm thrilled. And congratulations to Glenn. Yes, congrats, uh, Glenn. If you're listening, I'll see you in a little over an hour. Um, so Ryan, uh, in addition to your coming back, yes. this is a huge moment because RuPaul's Drag Race has finally yes finished. Finished. Season eleven is wrapped. This is like the time of year. It's like we get we had All Stars four. We had season eleven. It's been what like four five months of drag race yes and now it's over and so we're gonna lead the show yes with ryan's recap of the finale Chante, you stay well i just want to i want to start by saying that i will always love this show i really i really do think that it is the best reality television program of all time this season was um interesting because i feel like a lot of people that i saw online and friends of mine just thought this was like a bad season and um I, I disagree. I actually thought it was really interesting and, and layered. I think that there were, um, I think the producers had a lot of fun with story. They were really trying to push the Brangy, you know, Vanjie, um, Brooklyn romance storyline. And I just had, I think, I thought it was a good cast. Um, but I, I um, basically, we saw the finale. We saw the top four was um, Silky Nutmeg Ganache, the Reverend Doctor. Uh, a Curious C. Davenport, Brooklyn Heights, and Evie Oddly. So that was the top four, and um, they were matched up in the lip sync for the crowns. It was uh, first, it was Silky versus Brooklyn. Um, and Silky, the whole season was just like, wait till you see me lip sync. Please have me lip sync, RuPaul. I'm ready. I'm going to send these girls home. And every time she's performed, every time she's done any sort of lip syncing, it's been mediocre at best yes like she's just like whatever so brooklyn obviously won that lip sync and then there was um akiria versus evie which caused some controversy because um and you felt um that akiria it was they they they, they, the song was to what it was um sos sos by rihanna and uh, you felt like Akiria was the true winner of the lip sync. When I watched it with Scott Hernandez without Ryan, because Ryan had to work that uh-huh. night. And our, we both felt that Evie was kind of messy, kind of basic. Or she looked like a giant Muppet. The outfit was sort of bland. And we, th- I, we thought Akiria was really polished and, and really kind of turned it out. Now, when I watched it again with Ryan last night, yes. he sort of showed me why I was wrong. Which feels so good to hear you say those words. Um, I, can you just repeat that? Message? Yes, I was wrong. Evie turned it out. Although well, I did hate the, I still hate the outfit. And I understand why you hated it. It was a lot. And Akiria looked amazing. She represents drag excellence to me. Like she looked incredible. But every time the camera went in on her, there was nothing going on in the face. Get your face closer because the air's on. There was there was no like point of view. It was just like I'm a drag queen. I look great. This is me. You know, it wasn't like the thing about Evie that she brings to everything she does is that odd quality. It's that it's that uniqueness. It's that point of view. Everything that she did on the show was like intentional, specific, and she was trying to tell some sort of story in whatever she was doing. So that she was the winner for me in that. Then we had the final lip sync, which was Brooklyn versus Evie. Yes. And Brooklyn came out in this like cloak, this mm-hmm. like long black robe that said reveal, reveal, reveal all over it. Because, you know, like the past couple seasons, people have thought, oh, well, for this, these lip syncs, I'll just have to like pull a wig out of my ass. And, right. you know, so um, she took that off, had this bodysuit. She looked great. Everything was working. All the tricks were great. But it just, for me, um, I just feel like that only goes so far. Like I want, and it was Edge of Glory, which I know is a song you love. And, I and feel, a really easy song to lip sync. I can't think of an easier song really, for a drag queen. But, it, but I felt like Evie, she looked. JB is lip syncing it as we speak. Yes. He's living his, his drag queen fantasy over here. I actually preferred her Muppet costume to this like I didn't like any of her looks. gown, but... The thing that she had on her head with the that was cool. She had mirrors, so it gave this weird kind of cool perspective of like three heads, and then there was like and then an alien head, head in yeah. the back. And Although she, I thought the alien head should have mirrors too. I that know. would have made it even yeah. better. It was almost like a um, Ornacea tribute. Remember yes. Ornacea yes. from um, totally from um, Vivacious from season six. Anyway, I I don't really care. I am so happy Evie Ali won. She is the future of drag. She reminds me of Sharon Needles. She's pushing boundaries. She's exciting. She has something to say. She's a person of color. She's from Denver. I mean, like, 
it, it's interesting because, you know, being a New Yorker, I obviously am always rooting for the New York Queens because they're our, you know, hometown heroes. But it's kind of awesome that the final four were all from different places in the country. Like Brooklyn, obviously, is originally from Canada, but she um, resides in Nashville and Silky's from Chicago and Akira's from Houston and or Dallas, somewhere in Texas. Denver, it's like it's cool to see regional drag sort of come. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So last thing I'll ask you, comparing this season to all the other seasons, what grade would you give it if you're grading on a curve? Oh, um, I would give this. I would give this an 89. So like a like a B plus, like like an like an A minus, like a B plus, A minus teeter. I, I really was entertained. Um, it's hard for me to compare this season to like some of the others, like season four, season five, season six. I, I do think the show has kind of lost its 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 edge. Yes, it's, but I do think it was a successful season. I think this was season was way stronger than like season nine, and um, I'm looking forward to uh, the next season. I would give it a B or a B minus only because. Um it was one of the worst Snatch Games ever. And Snatch Game is my favorite episode. That so was a little disappointing. Really disappointing. Um, Some great runways. Yeah, though. beautiful. And interesting queens, interesting personalities. Yeah. Ryan, thank you for this and all your recaps yes. throughout the season. We look thank forward you for to season me 12. Use this platform to spew my faggotry. Anytime. <laughs> I want to do two quick uh, political stories that happened, uh, political and legal stories that happened this past week because they were important. And then we're going to talk to our guest. Um, First of all, the Supreme Court, um, actually, uh, there was a victory for trans students in the U.S. Supreme Court this past week. Um, The Supreme Court let stand a ruling from the Third Circuit Court, which allows students to use the locker room or bathroom of their choice based on the student's gender identity. This came out of a, uh, from a case in Pennsylvania. A school district in Boylestown, Pennsylvania, had basically made a rule that um, you must uh, use the bathroom or locker room of your gender assigned at birth and the ACLU filed a motion uh, on behalf of of trans students one trans student in particular in the school district and uh, you know the Supreme Court whenever something comes to the court they can either decide to rule on it or they can just simply pass which keeps the 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 lower court ruling in place and in this case the lower court ruling the third district court ruled in favor of trans students being able to use the bathroom and locker room of their identity. So in effect, this becomes the law of the land for now. Now, a different case can always come up with with different circumstances and the court might decide to to take it on and and rule differently. But um, this, to me, was an unexpected victory given the makeup of the court. And um, it's awesome. It's It's fabulous. Really, really cool. It's like the one good thing in this country happening for trans people right now. Pride Month. And, Absolutely. Yeah. The other thing that happened this past week, uh, actually back on May 17th, was that the House, uh, the U.S. House passed the LGBTQ Equality Act in a vote of 236 to 173. This is a law that would finally end discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation. Right now, there are many states in this country where you can be fired or denied housing and other services simply because you're gay. That's totally legal. And for years, uh, there's been a push to to include sexual orientation in all of the other categories uh, on the basis of which it is illegal to discriminate, like gender, uh, race, creed, nationality, all those things. It's illegal, but it's perfectly legal to discriminate. So the great news is that the House passed it. The bad news is the Senate is not going to take it up. And if they do, they're not going to pass it because they're run by Republicans and Republicans are anti-gay. Just in case you just in case you missed it. So this is what's going. If you're a log cabin Republican, go fuck yourself. You're canceled. You're supporting a party that doesn't support you. Um, So this is a symbolic victory. Yes. And someday, hopefully in 2020, we will have a Democratic House and Senate, and we can actually pass this. This this law, by the way, the the law that prohibits discrimination in all those other classes goes back to 1964. So it is high time. Yeah. That we add gay and trans people to that. It wouldn't just be sexual orientation. It would also be gender identity, uh, the right. equality bill. Okay. I am excited about this next segment because... Yes. Let me set this up for you. Earlier this week, Ryan, nude photos and video of former GOP Congressman Aaron Schock were leaked by the popular gay blog Kenneth in the 212. 
Aaron Schock, you'll remember, is the handsome, buff, former Massachusetts representative who was forced from office for, among other misdeeds, using taxpayer money to redecorate his office to look like the dining room from Downton Abbey. Nothing gay about that. But while in Congress, Schock voted against the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell and in favor of adding a constitutional amendment banning same-sex marriage. He received a zero rating from the human rights campaign for his voting record. Rumors about Schock's own closeted homosexuality have always been rampant, and last month he was photographed making out with another guy at Coachella. We talked about that on the show. Mm -hmm. And now these nude pics have surfaced, which Schock apparently sent to someone or multiple people on a gay hookup app. Our first guest today is the blogger behind Kenneth and the 212. His Twitter account was blocked after he posted a link to the pics with Twitter accusing him of harassing Aaron Schock. Joining us now in the studio is Kenneth Walsh, the man behind Kenneth and the 212. Hey, guys. Hey, Kenneth. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm thrilled that you're here. I have to interrupt by saying um, I was a huge Glenn Scarpelli fan as a child and had a 12-inch single of his song, Get a Love On. Oh. And if he's listening, um, I would have liked to have been invited so I could get an autograph on that finally. Uh, well, maybe I can get an autograph for you. You didn't bring the, the, the record with you. I didn't you. know. But, uh, but yes, I was a huge Glenn Scarpelli Were fan you? as well. And I'm, I'm so psyched to be uh, part of his honor today. Uh, but let's get back to you. Yes. How did you obtain the naked photos of Aaron Schock? Well, yeah, in your segment, you said that I leaked them. They had been floating around. I, I don't know if you guys heard, but um, on Twitter, there was a lot of talk that there were, after the Coachella thing, things really you know ramped up. And I'd been hearing about them. And when you're a blogger, you get a lot of tips and stuff. And finally, on Sunday, right around uh, Memorial Day weekend, uh, someone sent me the video. And that was so I immediately looked. Does Toll Road have any of the other blogs written about this or talked about it? And I'm at my boyfriend's elderly mother's house (laughs) watching this like jerk off video, um, trying to not face her with my cell phone. And realized nobody had written about it, so I did an, what I call an emergency blog post on my phone, which is not easy to do with the shitty app that they have for the mm-hmm. platform. And that was it. Now, Got it wh- from a reader. When you when you say a reader, is that someone who had r- directly received them from Shock? No, I think. Subsequently, I had heard that there were stills um, in addition to the video. I happened to see the video first. There's something called the Large Penis Support Group. Um, and apparently there's a big... Oh, Ryan. Wow. I, I, you wow. didn't know about that one? Didn't know. What yeah. is that? Not a member. Yeah. Um, Not a member, but I am a fan. <laughs> yeah, a huge fan. Huge fan. Huge supporter of the support group. Yeah, I don't... And after seeing the pictures of Aaron, not that I'm a size queen, but I don't think he was a member, but somehow not, they got... Not small. No, it was good. Um, but it, it, there was a... All of them were on there. So, is the large penis support group just a place where people share big dick pics? I don't know. I imagine it being a place <laughs> where people who have really large dicks are like, "Yeah, they wouldn't let me fuck them because it was too right too big." Oh, They're, they share their so sorry their trauma. Yeah. We have no idea the um, oppression that these people right are up I mean, against. What a hard life. <laughs> yes, Kenneth. Uh, the woke perspective uh, nowadays is that it is wrong to share um, someone else's private nude photos. Regardless, even if the person is a piece of shit, you know, closeted homophobe like Aaron Schock. Right. Uh, and I know you've gotten a lot of blowback and there's been a lot of discussion this week about sort of uh, the, the rightness or wrongness of sharing these photos. Is this something you wrestled with before you decided to post them? Um, not really, because when you're a public figure, things are very different than, you know, you're just a regular person. Um So the hypocrisy to me made it newsworthy that he, in fact, is gay and had done these things. And I did use exercise some caution. I didn't actually post the video itself. I just put some screen caps like this is the truth and people need to know about it. So I wasn't really trying to make it as well. It was sort of titillating just because he happens to have a hot body. But. That wasn't really the angle I was going for. I was trying to make a a, a point that this person needs to be called out. And especially because, you know, some people have said to me, he's been out of office for a number of years. He doesn't really have any power. What's the problem? Well, A, he's never apologized for the things that he's done. No. Yet he's living it up, this openly 
not open gay life at Coachella and at the Standard Hotel. I ended up interviewing the kid that he was hitting on at the um, Standard Hotel pool, if you saw those photos. Mm -hmm. Um, And in his legal defense that he's been um, putting up against the charges that you described earlier. he's still facing charges. um, He got a non-prosecution agreement if he agrees to pay back like $100,000 and he's going to, you know, get away with it. Um, His defense is that even by asking if he's gay and you're interviewing witnesses to ask how I spent the money, that that would defame me and impugn my character. And again, that's implying that if you're gay, there's something wrong with it. So even though he's out of office, he's still spewing the same bullshit that probably caused him to do what he did in the first place. And furthermore, he's taking kind of this victory lap that should be reserved for like Jesse Smollett after the charges were dropped or Donald Trump after the Mueller report that he's innocent when he's not paying back all this money doesn't make you innocent. Right, he made a plea agreement. He made a plea agreement. And <clears throat> he's saying he might run again. So I really feel like everyone needs to be on the same page here. This person yeah. is a piece of shit. Do not fall for this. Um, he's you know, a piece of shit and he's really hot. Yes. See, there's, I, so I kind of combine like the two, two. Yeah, it's like there, and, I, there's two separate issues here, though. Yeah. There's the there's outing him uh, based on his hypocrisy. Yeah. And the damage that he's done to gay people by casting those votes. Um, I am 100% unequivocally in favor of that. I always have been. I, I'm with Michelangelo Signorelli. Outing someone who is actively working against LGBTQ people is not only ethically okay, it's the responsible thing to do. Right. Releasing nude photos, I, I go back to sort of Jennifer Lawrence when her um, private photos were leaked. And everyone said that this is this is a form of sexual assault. This is not okay. You and others could have released the pictures and blurred the penis or blurred his ass, and it still would have made the same impact as far as like the hypocrisy, the the closetedness, and so forth. That there there was a choice, and and I have to say, I'm not bothered by it, but I'm bothered that I'm not bothered by it because mm-hmm. I do want to be consistent. Right. And I would be upset if he were just like, if he were anyone else, if he were not a homophobe and his pics were released, I'd be like, oh, that's wrong. We shouldn't be sharing those. Well, let me see if I can help you not feel bad about not feeling bad. Right. Um, Jennifer Lawrence's things were hacked into a cloud. Uh, Revenge porn, which a lot of people have called this, the statute says it's when there's an understanding between the two people that they would remain private. So a boyfriend and girlfriend take pictures, exchange them, you break up, you're pissy, you release them. There is no expectation of something being private when you're sending out unblurred, full nudes to hundreds, perhaps more, on the internet. You've waived that right. That's not the same thing as having it... To a stranger. Yeah, to a stranger. Who can then share that with... There's no understanding of um, privacy there, especially when you're a public figure. Everybody knows... You know, Jamie, um, what's his name? The guy who played uh, the blind guy. <laughs> oh, um, Jamie Foxx? Jamie Foxx. Yeah. I was going to say Jamie Farr because I'm Jim, old and Jimmy he was Curtis. on MASH. Klinger. Uh, Klinger. And he's he's transphobic. Would love to um, see his nude picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, if you're famous, and especially if you look like Jamie Foxx, you know that photo is going to wind up somewhere. Yeah. So it's not the same is as it- having a cloud hacked and having your stuff stolen. Does it also make a difference that he's a man and not a woman? It does to me, and I don't know why. Yeah, that's. I always feel like during the whole Me Too movement, when men were coming forward, I was like, women and children first. Yes, men can be harassed, but you gotta let's not. Well, do that. boys, uh, ha, you know, millions of boys have been the Mil- victim women of, and of rape and molestation, first. and that's no better or easier because you're a boy. Yeah. Um, but I think it, you're right. When it comes to full, like grown-ass men, there is a power differential between yes. men and women in the society. And, and, and like white It is men. different. All of that. And yeah. that's probably why you feel that way. If it were a woman, you'd feel differently. Also, I want to see a dick. <laughs> right. That's well, really well, that's see anyone's, I don't like, want to see anyone's pussy. But uh, <laughs> And I thought he... I mean, listen, he has a beautiful body, beautiful penis, ass, the whole thing. Um, I really... I've been asking myself all week, like... If you met him secretly and you knew who he was, right. but no one would find out, would you have sex with him? Like, I that's why like I wanted to, to interview think, that kid at the standard just to kind of... Did like, the kid yeah. at the standard do anything with him? 
He says he didn't. He said he wasn't his type, which I was like, oh, please. God. All right, bitch. Uh, yeah. Uh, what <laughs> is your God. type? Um, but he, he said he did know who he was when he started talking to him, but that his philosophy is if someone's nice to you, you're not going to be rude to them but mm, that it didn't go beyond that's that. the ivanka and jared yeah. i don't buy that i would i would throw a drink in his face no. i'd say you're a homophobe piece of shit but i might blow him i would yeah. you know what, you know what would be great i would want to like blue ball him i'd want to like suck edge the him yeah like get him going and then just be like ooh, gotta go bye well, you're Sorry. log cabin republican meeting to attend yeah exactly. you're a patriot yeah um well you know getting back to what you're saying about the body though that people also say well you know Everyone's favorite other thing is, well, why do you care so much? Like, they always, whenever you have any kind of stance on anything that they don't agree with, they try to, like, cut you down. He, you guys remember Larry Craig with the white yes, stance? Yes, from Idaho. What's so fascinating Idaho. to me is that he is Larry Craig with a Sean Cody body. Like, he's from another era. Why are you this closeted Homophobe. Right, especially from Massachusetts. He's where actually you, from Illinois. But he was representing Massachusetts. No, he was 18th District of Illinois. I was really? I tell you that, yeah. But How Illinois are... isn't exactly Alabama. How did I get that wrong? Um, anyway, mm-hmm. again, Illinois, yeah. Yeah. blue state, you can, yes. be op- you can be an openly gay Republican yes. even. No, you're right. It, it was crazy. Lincoln. We only have a minute left. Kenneth, I want to know what is your what happened with Twitter and oh, what's yeah. your current status with Twitter? Um, 24 hours after it went up. I was inexplicably put in Twitter jail, as we like to say, and I was told I could file an appeal or I could delete the tweet. So I filed an appeal and explained to them all the things that we just talked about with some of the details left out. And I've not heard a word since, and I've been blocked for the entire week. So I haven't been able to access my account. People can go to your Twitter account and your tweets are there up until the point where you tweeted about Aaron, and then there's nothing, there's no new tweets, basically. So you're not... You haven't been taken off yeah, Twitter. Yeah, I'm not like but Milo, you can't. but yeah, so people are confused. People keep writing to help me out because they think I'm a moron. You're still on there. You're yeah. active now. It's like, no, it's still there, like you just said, but I and, can't And tweet. it's your pending review, I yeah. guess? So and, and their claim is that you were har- harassing yes, Aaron Schott. that's what it said in the... Um, in the Meanwhile, like thousands of other people, including me, have tweeted the pictures and the, and the video... And we're still on Twitter. Right. Although the tweet that I retweeted is now unavailable. So they are trying to take them so all So maybe down. they are. And maybe I, I've been reporting on him since he's been in Congress. Yeah, you've been on the Aaron Shock beat. Yeah. You get credit for <laughs> hey, that. And you yeah. know what? Thank God for you. And thank God for bloggers who fixate on these very important uh, issues and figures who are often ignored by the media the media the mainstream media is not going to cover this and they absolutely should uh particularly for people who are still in office but even for aaron shock who like you said might run again someday and is not apologetic and still hasn't come out all that kenneth your blog is kenneth in the 212.com how do people follow you on twitter which hopefully you'll (laughs) soon be adding new tweets to i am at kenneth 212 and you can email me at kenneth 212 at gmail if you uh if you have any other tips. Oh, I have tips. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us and come back on the <laughs> show, you, okay? Kay. It was great hey, having you. Yes. It's been fun. Thanks, guys. Thank Thanks, you. buddy. All right. All right. Well, I feel... Fascinating story. Yeah. I love when we get, uh, you know, the journalist who's, who's like, mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. You know, like when we had... Um, uh, 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 Shit, the noodles and beef guy. I talk about him oh, all the yeah, time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's Villarreal. He was wonderful. All right. Um, why don't we start the Pride music? Because I'm going to do the Pride roundup, and then we also have two Pride-related stories. Oh my God, wait. So hit it's, it, Anne Steele. It's Pride Month. It's Pride Month. Happy this Pride so Month, exciting. everyone. Okay. So first of all, I have a great story about two LGBTQ pioneers mm-hmm. who were part of the Stonewall Uprising. Yes. Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera are going to be honored. Legends. With our very own monument. That's awesome. None of this would be possible. This is part of an initiative to increase the diversity of statues and monuments in public places. The monument will be paid for out of $10 million allocated for new public artworks. It will be installed in Greenwich Village, a block away from the Stonewall Inn, where patrons resisted a police raid on June 28, 1969, almost 50 years ago. Johnson died in 1992 at age 46. Rivera died in 2002 at age 50. Both gave accounts of their participation in the Stonewall Uprising. There were numerous eyewitnesses who say they were both there. Uh, They were 
transgender, although didn't identify as such at the time. Um, there was a lot of blurring at that time between being gay and being a drag queen drag and being trans. trans. And, but they, um, they both lived as women at various times in their life. Um, and thank God that we're going to have a monument to them. I, it makes me so happy. And uh, yeah. In far less important Pride news, IKEA is offering rainbow bags yes. in honor of Pride Month. Ikea. Ikea bags are usually blue with yellow handles, and they've become a symbol of the furniture store. But starting today, June 1st, they will be available in rainbow colors. They will cost $3.99, and this is the good news, Ryan. All proceeds will go to the Human Rights Campaign. Yes. Come on, HRC. Come on, Come on Ikea. And now it's time for our Pride Roundup, and this they just keep growing as we get into June. Yeah. So hold on to your hats, because here are all the places that are celebrating Pride today, tomorrow, or this week. Ferndale, Michigan, Guadalajara, Mexico. It's Magical Pride at Disneyland Paris. Did you know that there was a Magical Pride? No, but I want to go. Sounds, sounds magical. Magical. Sun City Pride in El Paso. Pride in the Clee, as in Cleveland, Ohio. It's the Naples Pride Fest down in Naples, Florida. I believe that's on the west coast of Florida. Uh, it's Salt Lake City Pride in Utah. Yes, gay Mormons. Dallas, Texas. Uh, Venice, California, San Juan, Puerto Rico. Right here, guess which borough is celebrating Pride today? Is which one? Queens? queens, honey. Queens and Queens. Actually, tomorrow. Tomorrow is oh. Queens Pride. I don't know why they have their own Pride, but it's a big one. Yeah. Well, queens and Brooklyn usually have their own. Brooklyn Pride is... All the, yeah. all the boroughs have their own Pride. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Queens is tomorrow. Uh, in Ontario, it is Pride Niagara in St. Catharines, Ontario. Shout out to Schmeffen and Schween if they're listening. Uh, it's Gay Pride... I never know how to say this. Is it Sitges or Sitges? It's somewhere in Spain. I think uh, it's Ches. You might be right. I, I don't have the answer for you there. Key West, Florida. That's a huge one. Yeah. Key West Pride. Uh, okay, and now I want to talk about two places that are having their very first Pride Festival. The first is called Mojave Pride, and it's out in Kingman, Arizona. This is red, red Trump country, honey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're having their first ever Pride um, a listener who lives there told me, make sure I mention this. So uh, I, I want to wish you guys a fabulous first Pride. It's actually a week from today, June 8th. And they have a drag queen performing named Royal Bitch. All right. Which is also my nickname. <laughs> so I feel a kinship with her. So happy Pride Mojave in Kingman, Arizona. And then this one is very near and dear to my heart. My hometown, Summit, New Jersey, is having its very first Pride Fest. Yes, Summit. June 7th. This coming Friday, June 7th, they are having a, a day of festivities, including a family-friendly drag queen story hour. Which are becoming huge. Yeah. Like, the drag queen um, story hours are, are really blown up. Yes. Um, they have a, uh, they're doing a, a screening of Love, Simon. Uh, there are food trucks. And uh, there are no word on who the drag queens are that are going to be performing. But I'm hoping that they all give my sisters a makeover. <laughs> Remember when we gave your sister? We gave my sister Anna the best makeover. She amazing. She looked so good. And then her husband, you know, Guy was like, I don't like it. Ugh. She looks like a clown. Oh, shut up. And he discouraged her from ever doing it again. We're we're too early for our guest segment, aren't we? We are super early. Why did I get why did I go so fast through all these stories? I know. I, what are we gonna talk about now? I, I what aren't we out. gonna talk about? <laughs> Let's get into well, it. Well, Kenneth Kenneth is still here. Kenneth, put your headphones back on because we have to we have to fill about ten minutes. No, just just a couple minutes, right? Yeah, we usually start at eleven thirty-five. Right? Yeah, go ahead and get get our next guest on the phone, Kenneth. Tell us what else is happening uh, in the world that you're reporting on, and Kenneth and the two one two. God, I have to look at my blog. You think I don't read this <laughs> shit? Let's see here. Well, you know, I, I was going to tell you when I got here. I haven't been up this early on a Saturday since um, breakfast at Wimbledon, nineteen eighty-five. Chris against Martina. Because, oh my! Um, I like to sleep in late, so lucky I hope you. you feel. Uh, hope you feel very special. I, very special and honored. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. We've missed you. <laughs> what's it's been the, way too long? Other than Aaron Shock, what's been happening? Let me see what I got going on here. Um, I'm so embarrassed that this is well, a live show. Well, this has never happened before. I know. Usually, I have like stories. You have stories upon stories upon stories. Well, while he's looking at that, oh, do you have something? Uh, Go ahead, Kenneth. No, I was just going to lament. Um, did you guys see the uh, Democratic candidates' uh, dog competition this week? <laughs> no. What? Yeah, I guess 
we've been reduced to deciding, um, well, since there are 26 people running, we've, there was a poll as to who had the cutest dog name. Do they um, all have dogs? Well, that's the thing. I, I feel like a Bernie bro for cat lovers. I'm like, none of them have cats. I'm not voting in 2020. <laughs> I'm, I'm done with these people. Right. Um, ten of them have dogs, and Elizabeth Warren's, I guess, is the cutest. And they were judging the dogs themselves or just their names? Well, it was supposedly their names. I don't even remember a dog's name, but it was definitely um, more about how cute your dog was, I think. Yeah. You Elizabeth know Warren was uh, just at uh, the Ace Hotel. And work. What, oh, oh, yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Wait, tell us about that in a second, Ryan. Yeah. But what, what was her dog's name? I told you I don't even remember because I don't I don't like dogs. I, your dog what? is pretty, I know. Okay. Okay. As I, I need lady, to we're gonna have to ask you. <laughs> As lady sleeps behind you on the Look sofa. At this precious angel. I did uh, warm up to her. Uh, Ryan, tell us about Elizabeth Warren at, at oh my the God. Ace. Well, Wars. first of all. Um, as per usual, I was not informed that this was happening. Wow. There was no communication. So all of a sudden, I'm at the front desk, and um, these cameramen come in, and I'm like, oh, my God, what the fuck is happening? And then it's Elizabeth Warren, and I'm, you know I'm really good at recognizing people. Yes. I mean, like, she's obviously, like, a like very public figure that, that most people know, but, like, I within milliseconds, I was like, oh, my God, it's Elizabeth Warren. So um, wow. she uh, came into the lobby, and... Um, made a speech and it was really inspiring and I've always loved her and I know people are always like you know we're gonna end up with Trump again if people don't fucking just come together and Thank like you. I, I just I really hope that people um listen to her and to all the candidates I, I agree mean, 100% and she's a very impressive person yes you know she she has her faults they all do they the whole Native do. American thing is abysmal Problematic. but um but she really does have very specific plans yes of what she's going to do and that loan forgiveness for loan forgiveness yeah. that Honey. benefits Ryan Frostig directly yeah. uh, by the Hello. way let me just say that Elizabeth Warren's dog Bailey won yeah. that is not a very original or cute name Bailey? that's why I think it was really the way the dog looked mm. as as most things are in life. Beto O'Rourke's dog is named Artemis, which to me is a much cuter name. That's a cool name. The rest right? of them have candidate. such basic names. Joe Biden's Spot. dog's name is Champ. Skippy. Pete Buttigieg's dog is named Buddy. Oh my God. And Truman. John Hickenlooper has a dog named Sky. Michael. Who's Michael Bennett? The choreographer? <laughs> Wait, the choreographer? Is he back, back from the dead and running for president? That is a guy. He's he has a dog named Pepper. Tim Ryan has a dog named Buckeye and Bear. Mm. All right. Well, we've eaten up enough time. It is now time for our guest segment. Kenneth, you're welcome to stay with us if you want during this interview. Our next guest today is the director of an award-winning and critically acclaimed new documentary that follows the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus as it embarks on a five-state tour through the Deep South. Here's a clip from Gay Chorus Deep South in which the director of the chorus, Timothy Selig, goes on a conservative radio show down south, and he's surprised by what the host says to him at the end of the interview. Take a listen. Um, no matter who you are and how you fell uh, during the election, I think after the fallout, literally, no matter who you are, political persuasion, wherever you come from, there's been a lot of nonsense, no matter who you are, that has been in response to the election. And anybody out there using art to spread the message of unity, I think that's, and, and peace, it's probably more important than politics at the moment because Thanks. we can't have political discussions rational ones if people are swinging baseball bats at each right. other or even just angry epithets sure. uh, no matter where you come from and I think it's a beautiful thing and a beautiful sentiment and I hope that people are touched by the sentiment yeah, thank you We've got to take a short break stay with us one little note there he meant epithets not mm -hmm. epitaphs but joining us now on the phone all the way from Mendocino California is the film's director David Charles Rodriguez David, are you there? Yeah, I'm right here. How's it going? Hi, Good. David. Thank you for joining us. How's Mendocino? It's beautiful. I'm, I'm overlooking the ocean right now. Can't oh, complain. Jealous. Beautiful. Now, the film is an official selection in Mendocino, yes? Yes, it is. Absolutely. Has it screened there already? No, no. Um, it screened today at 12.30 p.m., so in a little bit. Fabulous. Uh, good luck. And what awards are you up for? Um, for Best Documentary um, Audience Award. So um, the film is already in um, 44 festivals um, and counting, and uh, we won the audience. Award. We premiered at Tribeca. We had our world premiere at Tribeca. Yes. And uh, we won the audience award for best documentary there, and then we won the audience award for best documentary in Zurich, and then at Northwest Fest in Canada as well. 
It's so awesome. Congratulations on the film and on all of its success. In in reading about you, I was surprised to learn that you are a straight guy. I, I, I am. I am. I'm sorry about that, but, but I am. Don't have to apologize <laughs> to us. What, what drew not, you? As I like to say, it's not a choice. No, it's not. <laughs> Unfortunately, I wish it were. There are a lot of straight guys I would, uh, I would choose otherwise for. What, what drew you to this material? Um, I think it was a couple things. Um, the, the starting point was really I was trying to, you know, uh, find a story that dealt with the divisiveness that the country is going through. And then when I learned about the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus touring in the Deep South, I thought that was just the most beautiful story, you know, and, and, and maybe maybe a way that we could find a middle ground, maybe a way that we could, you know, create a dialogue between these two different sides, you know, through the power of music and, and, the, and the power of travel as well, right? Just, just being there, just being present makes a huge difference. And, and you know, on top of that, it, it helps that, you know, I lived in San Francisco for five years. I've been a huge ally of the community for forever, you know, um, I don't know if you know the, the famous drag queen, Hecklina, but she was the yes. hostess of my wedding, you know, so, so, so I have a deep connection with that community and, and I just, you know, feel like I'm at home and, and with family when I'm with them. So it was a perfect storm of all those things. You dropped out for just a second there. She, she officiated at your wedding? Uh, no, she was the hostess. Oh, nice. So she was greeting the guests as they came in? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And she's also a dear friend, yeah. That's awesome. Did you approach the chorus, or did they approach you about uh, directing this film? Um, I approached. Well, I, 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 I told this. I spoke with my producer Bud Johnston, and um, I told him the story, and then he reached out to the chorus, and um, yeah, then we started working. Had they already planned their trip? Yes. So basically, the literally the morning after the elections happened. Um, Steve Huffine, the board chair of the chorus, they were planning to do, it was their 40th anniversary, and they were planning to do um, a tour to China because the gay chorus had never sung in China. And then the day, the morning after the election, um, the board chair spoke with Dr. Tim Selig and Chris Verdugo, um, who, you know, the three of them are, are kind of the heads of the chorus. And he was like, you know, and he's from Alabama, by the way. And he was like, you know what, you know, we can't, we can't, make all this effort and go to China when the place that is most needed, you know, the place that means our music the most is here in our country. So then um, they announced the tour and then it kind of, the, the news of the tour itself um, got a lot of attention and yeah. And, and, and then, you know, we jumped on board to make this film. And this was in 2016. This was in, yeah, literally November, 2016. The tour itself was in October of 2017. So which states did the chorus travel to, and how did they choose those states? Um, the choice was simple. So they, they st their starting point was the two, worst, the two states with the worst discriminatory laws against the LGBTQ community, and that is Mississippi and then North Carolina. And then they kind of drew a line and, um, and went into states on the way, you know, that also have, you know, really bad discriminatory laws as well, like Tennessee, um, Alabama, North, uh, South Carolina, and then North Carolina. Those were the five states. It's so interesting to me that North Carolina has some of the worst laws in the nation because North Carolina is a swing state mm -hmm. with a lot of liberal cities uh, like Charlotte and and the Raleigh-Durham area, and yet you know they, they still have these terrible laws on the books. Um, along the way, the chorus was joined by another chorus, Correct. Yeah, the Oakland Interfaith Gospel Choir. How did that come about? Um, so when the news was announced, the executive director of the Oakland Interfaith Gospel Choir reached out to the chorus and said, you know, your mission is our mission and we want to join. And, and you know, it was just great because, you know, a big, a big part of the effort was performing in churches. You know, they did 25 performances and out of those 25, 18 were in churches. And with the presence of the Oakland Interfaith Gospel Choir, you know, you could really open doors that the, you know, a chorus called the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus couldn't. And um, so it was, it was a great, a great combination of those two, um, you know, entities performing together under the same mission. Were they primarily evangelical churches? Um, yes, they were all Christian churches. Well, Christian, yeah, but I'm saying they were politically to the right. They were not uh, left-wing Christian churches like UCC or... Or, uh, it was a mix. It was a mix. 
And and what was the what kind of program did the choruses perform together? Um, a concert. So basically, no, I know, um, but like, what kind of music? Oh, um, it's a mix of you know what what they did that I thought was very smart was they combined you know songs that are beloved in the South, you know, like Amazing Grace and Patsy Cline, um, with some you know Broadway musicals. Um, you know, include and they also included the chorus included the very first song um, that they sung 41 years ago, "Singing for Our Lives," that was composed by Holly Near, and she wrote this song while they were driving to the Harvey Milk vigil. So on the very day that Harvey Milk was assassinated, that was the chorus's very first performance, and they sang "Singing for Our Lives." Wow! So you know, it was a mix of you know trying to trying to meet them where they were, you know, with 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 songs that they would appreciate, identify with. But then, you know, working in some hard-hitting songs um, that, you know, spoke with the message and the activism that they, that they you know, went there to do. Like another song that I love and, and I think is amazing that they did that, and they sang it in churches as well, is I Ain't Afraid. And I Ain't Afraid is, you know, I Ain't Afraid, like one of the, one of the lyrics of the song is, I ain't afraid of your Jesus, I'm just afraid of what you do in the name of your God. You know, and it's it's really, you know, really hard hitting. Kind of really, a shaming song to some of those churches, right? Well, and, and actually it just helps you rethink how you use religion, right? Like religion, and this was actually my own, I'm not a very religious person, um, but making this film, I, I was able to see the power and the role that religion can play in these communities for positive change. You know, if, if, if churches become, you know, centers of activism, we can we can make some real shifts and swings in, in this country and, and in the world. And, you know, I think Pope Francis has already um, caught on to that. And, and there are some churches in the South, like the one we visit, the Southern Baptist Church we visited in Greenville, South Carolina as well, um, is, is understanding that. Absolutely. You know? I always, t- you know, I work for a Christian denomination as my day job. And oh, wow. they're, uh, they're very left-leaning um, denomination that's very concerned with the social justice message that that Christ yeah. taught, and you know equality and tolerance and love and compassion. These are the things that that the church uh, emphasizes. And you know, people say to me, first of all, because I'm Jewish, but also because I'm like a super left wing gay guy. Friends of mine are like, how can you work for a church? How can you work for for anyone who's Christian? And it's like I have to explain to them that real Christianity, what I consider to be the message of Jesus as I understand it, having, you know, read the New Testament in college, is that uh, it is about really embracing other human beings and wrapping your arms around them. It is not about shame. It's not about punishment. It's not about like, oh, you're, you're all, you're going to hell and fire and brimstone. That is perverted Christianity. I I agree. I agree. And, and, you know, that's, that's a, that's something that humans do very well is they they get something beautiful and they distort it to you know to 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 create control you know i think i think it's really it really comes back to control right and and that's what the catholic church and then the, these other denominations started to misuse these messages so they could control the population yes and it's often been religions often been used by by all religions not just christianity as a as a means of control by yeah. essentially by politicians who who want to keep people uh, poor, powerless, uneducated, and it's no coincidence that in those red states that all went for Trump, you know, the poverty level is much higher than it is where we live. Absolutely, Mississippi is the poorest state in America. It's it's really sad, and and another sad thing too what that we encountered. So um, they performed at Selma and crossed the you know. Yes. The bridge there. It was, it was a really beautiful. Um, it was a really beautiful day, but it's so shocking in how poor that town is. Like you, would, like in my mind, I thought they were. You know, I thought it was a tourist center, right? That people would come, and and there was a lot of, you know, and it is one of the poorest towns we 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 we, we passed by in Selma. the entire South. Can yeah. you, for those who who aren't familiar with Selma or didn't see the recent film? by Ava DuVernay. Can you talk about the significance of the Edmund Pettus Bridge and Selma and what the chorus did while they were down there? Because it's really, to me, one of the most striking parts of the film. Absolutely. So 
So, you know, that is where the Brown Chapel AME is where Martin Luther King and all, you know, the black and, 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 and white activists for, for the civil rights movement came together and they decided to, you know, cross the Edmund Pettus Bridge, you know, in protest and, and, you know, the police met them there and, and hosed them down and had, you know, threw sick dogs on them. And it was a really horrendous moment. And what was really interesting is, is the chorus was invited, you know, to be in that church and, and they were there with the Oakland Interfaith Gospel Choir and performed. And then after the performance in, in the Brown Chapel AME, they also crossed the bridge. And, and, and one of the um, former activists um, that crossed the bridge with Martin Luther King said something really profound. And he said that, you know, you know, we go from Stonewall, you know, we go from Selma to Stonewall to Castro and, and, and basically, you know, the fight for equal rights continues. You know, it may be a different shade and a different, you know, perspective today, but, but we're still fighting and, and, and the fight is, you know, sadly far from over. When the original crossing of the Edmund Pettus Bridge happened in 1965, as you mentioned, and people were beaten and arrested, um, I'm wondering if you, if, if the chorus met any kind of resistance when they crossed the bridge in 2017. Well, what was interesting, um, they, they, we met resistance outside of the church. There were protesters outside of the church um, in crossing the bridge. So here's an interesting fact. People, you know, there's celebrations and, there, and, there's, and there's schools and there's, you know, other people that cross the bridge, you know, that have crossed the bridge before. And, and you can, you know, you reach out to the mayor, the mayor's office to get a, to get a permit to do that and they close it off and and that was our plan you know and they had planned that you know almost a year in advance and um and they denied that permit hmm. they did not they did not let us do that um and then we just crossed it anyways and we took over the bridge and um you know to be fair the police were really kind and, and really graceful and and they basically said like go 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 for it we won't do anything to you um and and that's how we managed to cross and 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 we crossed you know, side by side with some of the original members, you know, of that movement that had mm. crossed with Martin Luther King. That's... And actually, um, a really beautiful moment as well that's not in the film is that a member of the Oakland Interfaith Gospel Choir, Cheryl Jones, um, her father was one of Martin Luther King's um, right-hand mans, and he had crossed that bridge. And, and, and for her, it was a really profound experience to, to be a second generation crossing that bridge. But at the same time, also very sad, right, that we still need to be crossing that bridge to, to make to, to send a message out there. Now more than ever. Uh, yeah. David, what surprised you most as you followed this course through the Deep South and you watched them interact with audiences that might not be friendly or might be openly hostile to them? What, was the, what surprised you? I think the two things that surprised me the most and... and um, I don't want to say maybe maybe the word surprise is not right, but the most insightful or powerful learnings that I had were one, you know, which we discussed earlier is the the positive role that the church can play in people's lives um, towards equality and acceptance and celebration. Um, but as well as these, you know, Southern, you know, these people in the South that stayed there to fight. You know, like Malaysia, for example, she's a she's a trans female of color and she she runs the trans chapter for the ACLU in, in, in Jackson, Mississippi, you know, and she's been there her whole life. And and if it wasn't for her, you know, there would be no hope, you know, so I feel like I really hope that part of what this film can do as well is inspire people to stay where they are, you know, because that's the only way that we can make a difference. It's It's no coincidence that you know, the coasts are the liberal sides of the country. It's because everyone who feels liberal in, in that way goes there, you know. But if we all, if we all, you know, fought and stayed, you know, where we were, we would have a way more balanced, you know, political system right now. You're right. I mean, I sometimes wonder, like, why would anyone gay stay in Alabama? Or why would anyone who's trans um, stay in Mississippi? E even people of color, I wonder this about. And then at the same time, yeah. you have to thank those people 
for staying put and for for fighting and struggling and trying to make a difference because if everyone flees, then it, things just get worse down there and it becomes even more um, of, of kind of a separatist state. Exactly. And also, and also, you know, it's not a daily nightmare. You know, they have a thriving community there. You know, the, the LGBTQ community, especially in the in the main cities. You know, in, in rural in the rural side of the South, not so much. But but you know, there there is there is a place for them to be, you know, and 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 to feel accepted and and to have their their community. Of course, it's not as you know, it's not as spread out as you know somewhere like San Francisco, for example. But it exists, and 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 I feel like it's a great starting point to then you know, for these communities to become part of the general community, you know, and, and, and in some cases we found that, and that, that was really amazing and hopeful, I guess. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I've read interviews with you and uh, with, with members of the course that they, they were surprised as we heard in that clip earlier um, that a lot of people down there, even those on the political right were not necessarily hostile to gay people. Yeah, Exactly. Well, it's interesting that um, I was just listening to um, a, a great podcast called Hidden Brain, and and they have a, a, an episode, a recent episode, that talks about how the public opinion on the LGBT community is the biggest shift in the history of any public opinion. And, and the reason for that is that, you know, you can't there it's not segregated right you can be like for example um you know dick cheney's daughter is a lesbian right Mm -hmm. and 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 you can and 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 then you understand you know these people are part of your family and it's an easier way to, to sway that public opinion because you're in the same you're the same race and you're in the same socioeconomical um condition and and it's almost like you know these people you know these people who come out in these conservative families almost become you know these like these sleeper cell agents of change <laughs> and um and i feel like i feel like that's that's why the shift that we're feeling is happening because you know unfortunately you know for the african american community and for other minority communities it's it, you can't you can't do that right you can't be born into a wealthy you know affluent Republican family and and be of a different race, right? But you can be gay. So I feel like like we need to take advantage of that and 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 keep you know creating this change. And hopefully that's the beginning of a change towards you know equal rights rights for all. You know, so I feel like yeah. the LGBT community has a has a a slight advantage, you know, a positive advantage where they can you know they can as in, instead of isolating themselves of, of their families you know they can they can create a dialogue within their own families to try to try to create a more open-minded um, country yes and i also think that there's a particular power that music has you know my co-host ryan and i are both members of the new york city gay men's chorus and our, no way cool. yeah yeah and so we're th- so incredible. excited about this documentary yeah. and our oh, that's so awesome our artistic director always says it's very hard to hate someone who just sang for you. Yeah, it's very true. And I think that's something your documentary really uh, highlights. And I just, I thank you for making it. I wish you continued success on the film. I hope you win everything in in Mendocino tonight. Seriously. And um, how can people, I know there are screenings across the country, but how can people see this eventually uh, on a wide scale? Is it going to be streaming somewhere? Well, yeah, we're, we, we don't have a distribution plan yet. We're still um, speaking to distributors. Um, we haven't landed on anything yet. Um, so hopefully coming soon, we'll, we'll be able to, 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 to announce that. Um, but in the meantime, you know, we have many, we have festivals all over the country. Um, they're constantly updated on our website, you know, gaychorusdeepself.com and um, are also on our Instagram, you know, which is gaychorusdeepself.com. So um, if you follow those two things, you can you can find um, a place in your area. Um, I'm coming to Provincetown um, on June 13th and June 16th. We'll be screening at the Provincetown International Film Festival. And then after that, um, at AFI Docs in Washington, D.C., um, which is one of the most, I mean, it's the it's the best or most credible um, documentary film festival. David Charles Rodriguez, we got to let you go. Thank you so much for talking to us and best of luck. Ryan Frostig. Thank you so much. 
tell people how they can see your cabaret show. Yes, my uh, <laughs> the cabaret experience formerly known as Defying Faggotry has returned to the duplex stage as Defining Faggotry. Um, that is next Saturday at the Duplex Cabaret and Piano Bar uh, at 4 p.m. Tickets are available at purplepass.com slash frosting. 0608. Thank you, Ryan Frostig. Thank you, David Charles Rodriguez. Thank you, Kenneth, Kenneth Thank you, Walsh Kenneth. and JB. Ryan and I will be back next week with another live show. Our guests will be Mike Balaban and Tom Walker, the creators of a new gay website called Bammer. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to download my comedy album. Follow me, me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Sank. Have a great week, bitches, and happy Pride, everyone. Happy Pride. Bye.